0: On this episode of AV Week, what distributors and manufacturers can do to help dealers on the job site, emerging markets within the AV industry, and what commercial integrators need to know about today's digital signage market. All that and more next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry.
2: What are you listening to? This
1: This is AV. This This is AV AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode three seventy five, recorded Friday, November second, two thousand eighteen. Emerging markets. Support for AV
2: Nation is brought to you by SDVOE, the platform for network
0: AV, and by Christie Digital, and by FSR. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information of this week. uh, First and foremost, her name is Corey Schaefer, and she is from QSC. Welcome, ma'am.
2: Thank you, Tim. Happy Friday.
0: Happy Friday, indeed. Uh, Also with us is Kelly Perkins. Kelly is from NSCA and uh, heads up their Ignite program. Welcome, ma'am. Hello, everyone. Uh, also with this uh, a friend of mine I got to see this week uh, in New York for New York Digital Signage Week and uh, the Afixa Women's uh, event in uh, in New York City, Gina Sansevero from Atlas IED. Welcome, ma'am.
3: Thank you very much, Tim, and thank you for joining us this week. We had a blast.
0: Oh, my gosh. And
2: wait, yeah. and did you say Atlas IED? I did. Yes, I'm new. It's been three weeks.
0: <laughs> well, actually, two to, Actually. All th- three of out of the four of you have had new jobs this year. Uh, the last person on our panel here is Mr. Joel Carroll, who is now with Wolf Vision. Welcome, sir.
4: Hey, thanks, Tim. Good seeing you, sir.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, first story we got here actually comes to us from from uh, New York Digital Signage Week and our friends over at, at, uh, at SCN. Uh, Megan Dutta writes about the coffee and controversy event that, that I actually went to, actually sat next to Megan, <laughs> during uh, Tuesday morning. They had a panel, it's it's the DSF, the Digital Signage Federation, puts on this panel, has done so for the last four or five years of of New York Digital Signage Week. They bring together folks um, and they do this coffee and controversy, which coffee part indicates it's breakfast, so it's an early morning. And uh, the controversy is it's a panel discussion. Um, And uh, Dave Haynes uh, from uh, 16.9 uh, was the moderator it's a great it's a pretty good event if you go to new york for new york digital science week would highly recommend you attending um the last two years has actually been in google's headquarters in new york so pretty good space you know um you you get a sense of of how actually tech giants like Google are using, you know, not only digital signage, but also how they're using the AV technology that, that all of us kind of put in because the room is an auditorium, the cameras, projectors, and, and uh, audio. Um, but what I wanted to do is, is, is uh, Kelly, I want to start with you from uh, integration standpoint, integrators. This has become, digital signage has become a vertical that a lot of really smart people people you smarter than me have written about for well over 10 years about it being a good vertical for integrators to get into what exactly can integrators and what is the role of, of of the integrators when it comes to today's digital signage market
1: well there's a huge opportunity in digital signage i think um and it's great because it's depending on how you go to market with it you can you know, use it as a recurring revenue model, right? If you if you do it right, you can hire some designers on staff. You can actually create content for people. Um, and it's pretty much widely used in every application now, from, you know, walking through an airport to going to Target to, you know, anywhere and everywhere. So I think the opportunity is still pretty big. I think you just have to be a little creative on, on how you make money because, you know, like... Screens and and monitors and and everything they're getting they're getting cheaper and cheaper. But if you get creative on on how to use them in different applications, I think you could you could still make a lot of money. You
0: no, know, uh, Gina Kelly's right. Actually, Jeff Hastings from Bright Sign made the comment. He was on the panel at, at Coffee and Controversy. Made the comment that every screen is a digital signage screen or could be potentially. Um, what are you, what, you know, you, you've had a couple of different positions in the industry. Now you're with Atlas IED, but your last couple of positions, you've worked with integrators, but also in education where digital signage is also increasing its use or they're, they're increasing their, their use of digital signage. So where do you see the integrator, um, fitting in and at what point do they, do they start, you know, really taking this seriously and, and, and getting involved in it?
3: Um, So in higher ed, we see it for a number of different applications, right? It could be for wayfinding, it could be for menu boards um, in their cafeterias and food places, it could be um, for scheduling, and it could be for mass notification. I mean, we have a um, a ton of different applications in higher ed specifically to be able to use digital signage. From an integrator standpoint, I think Kelly is spot on with the um, the content development because the hardest part for higher education to actually be able to um, adopt this so that that barrier to adoption is generally who owns the content, um, who develops the uh, the the, the, um, the displays, the, the stuff that you display. I'm sorry, it's two o'clock in the afternoon in New York and my brain just doesn't seem to want to work today. Um, it, who, who has the, uh, the content creation and then who updates it and then you know who updates the hardware behind it and all of that stuff. So there's definitely an opportunity for integrators, but, but reducing that barrier to entry for higher education I think is going to be key for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And I'm going to take a left turn and say um, digital um, signage in places like corporate, um, like the Salesforce tower in New York. If any, everybody should just Google the Salesforce tower in New York because they actually hired a content creation company. But when uh, you can, the theme of Salesforce is the national parks. So uh, when you walk into the lobby, it's about a full immersed experience and they have this huge wall um, that they're leveraging for it and, and being able to change it.
3: So that- very, very cool, considering that we used to think of digital signage as a single screen, um, and now digital signage could be, you know, interactive video walls, right?
2: Yes, yes.
0: Well, and it, you also have a project or a projector mapping figuring into digital signage as well. There's a, there's a building up in Chicago that a company took... I want to, I'm going to get this number wrong, but it's either 20 or 30 Christie projectors and projecting projector mapping onto the building um, in, in downtown Chicago. So you've got all sorts of different new applications that that you can, it's not just like Gina said, it's not just one single screen anymore.
2: Yeah. And the Salesforce tower does that as well on the, on the very top of it. They're really Mm -hmm. leveraging the outside as well. Like this building you're mentioning in Chicago. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think it's, um, it's, digital signage is such an easy way for us to raise awareness to the industry that we work in too. I mean, I'm totally speaking from an ignite standpoint and raising awareness of the industry in general, but it's like the easiest cool, like one of the easiest coolest things we do. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we should be getting more and more involved in uh, digital signage applications and starting to get more creative.
2: And on the creative side, Vix has been talking about pulling in the, the creative makers, right? So kind of an edge of our industry that um, has been kind of non-technical inputs and outputs, et cetera, but that creative right. side, which makes the cool factor very cool.
4: And I, well, I yeah. think to Gloria's point, that brings in a whole bunch of new people into our market as we're still yeah. looking for new people to get in, some of the animators and the other people. I don't know that they even look at digital signage as as an opportunity for a career. And, you know, I foresee it exploding. I mean, if you look at pictures you see in Japan, digital signage is everywhere in certain cities as you walk around. Go to Vegas. I mean, digital signage is everywhere. I mean, even in the restrooms. All of this is, it needs content.
2: And it's an attraction in itself. I mean, Times Square, you know. Oh, yeah.
3: Definitely come to New York and visit me and I can show you tons of signage.
1: I love and New have York. Good food. <gasps> yes, that's <laughs> <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> it's my afternoon coffee.
0: Well, and it, it, you know, back on what Kelly was saying about bringing awareness, that's something that folks, in, at least in the New York area, can do. You can take a group of students, whether it's high school students or, or college students, who are you know thinking about their careers and, and, and they are creatives, like Joel said. You can take them to to, to the middle of Times Square and say, "Look, you know." this is av you absolutely can have a career in this whether you are a creative or not um, phil linger and, uh, and the folks at show and tell actually have an app uh that you can download just in new york right now um but it is all of the signs all of the digital signage throughout manhattan so not just in times square but up and down the island you cool. can hold it's an ar app so you hold it up to the screen It'll tell you who made the screen, who owns the screen, the content owner on on it. So it's kind of both sides. You can get the technical side as well as the creative side, and you can find out exactly who's doing it. And from a student standpoint and an awareness standpoint, you know, figure out whether or not those people are hiring, whether or not they they need interns to actually kind of get in the door.
3: That's really awesome. I didn't know that they did that. That is very, very cool. I'm going to have to find that. Can you send me info on it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll put a link on that. But yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link to, to the app. Uh, I mean, if-
3: so much of, you know, when I um, went into the high school, local high school over here to talk to the students about the AV industry um, as part of the Ignite Ambassador program, um, what really resonated with them were those high profile kind of flashy Um, installations, right, whether it it was something like digital signage in Times Square or something like the the halftime show um, at the Super Bowl. Uh, Those things are what's really going to, to to Kelly's point, bring bring people in and increase the awareness. And while, yes, that is the bells and whistles part of our industry and that's not every installation, um, that's where the conversation starts.
2: But it's becoming common. I mean, when you have a corporate company invest in a significant amount in the reception area, I mean, we didn't see that 10 years ago. Sure. Not at all.
1: No well,
3: people. especially now that we have open workplace, like that open floor plan in the workplace, that reception area sees straight through to the back of the warehouse sometimes. Um, so the entire space has to be transformed into, you know, something that was way more higher end than it ever was before. And again, my grammar today is just failing me
0: it's it's all good we we got you i I
3: love new york mug with coffee in it
0: i'm in st louis now. (laughs) Uh, all right uh next story here comes to us from uh sound of communications and actually out of nashville top golf um and again if you're not familiar with top golf um it is a bar and grill where you go to play golf and and actually a video game version of it you hit a golf ball and you, know, you drink beer. Um, the uh, Nashville uh, location opened up and, and Sound and Communications did an article on it. And the one thing that I wanted to bring out here is the quote from one of the folks there from Top Golf quote unquote, the biggest AV challenge here is that this is both an indoor and outdoor venue. The video displays and the speakers have to be able to withstand being pounded by the weather all year long, also by golf balls, uh, but also work well in an environment that's half inside and half outside. That's kind of how this works is that you are sitting at or standing at a a a platform the golf area i guess the the what would be where you tee off yeah well i'm the of the green right or the fairway is i don't play golf right i play it's
2: (laughs) obvious it's obvious um,
0: where you hit the ball is is outside right uh, the one in Vegas has actually digital signage, not to bring that back in, but these ginormous screens uh, out in the, in the fairway area. Um, but it's, it's a unique venue and it's a, it's kind of a unique vertical. This is not a typical restaurant vertical, right? Our, our buddy Joe Whitaker, who's on uh, Matt Scott's Resi Week show uh, quite a bit. He also has a a, res, a, a restaurant restaurant. Um, uh, business where it's called The Thoughtful Restaurant because his, his home business is called The Thoughtful Home, where he goes in and he, he helps put AV into restaurants. This is not exclusively that either because it's also a sports venue. It's also this, that, and the other. It's a unique venue. So, um, Gina, I'm going to start with you on this. When it comes to verticals like this and, and verticals like combination, right? This is a sports venue. It's also a bar and grill. It's also uh, part entertainment as well what other verticals are, are we kind of seeing emerging uh, in the AV industry? And maybe what do we see? What verticals are we seeing kind of, you know, sliding down uh, on the important scale?
3: Um, well, so I appreciate you starting with me because now I'm going to sound like, you know, the idiot, but I keep on going back to higher ed, right? Because that's my, that's my background. Um, I'm s- Standing there talking to one of our contacts from one of the schools and she's like, you know, Gina, it's very interesting. Some of the projects that we get to work on we were opening up a new stable for our um, large animal veterinary school and so much of what they're doing now is lecture capture and archive mm. and so that they can review with their students what how how they're working on these animals um, what they're doing right what they're doing wrong give examples of what the instructor is using um, later on and the tools and how to open up animals and things like that and, and I'm sitting there I'm like okay I don't really know this uh, is, is relevant to AV how is this relevant to AV she goes we had to come up with such interesting ways of making our equipment dustproof hay proof, outdoor proof, animal proof, hair proof. And I was like, interesting. This is super interesting to me because when, when do you figure, Kelly, you must have done things like this all the time at Vadia. When, when do you figure that you're going to use a PTZ camera in a horse stall?
1: Um, We would create domes to put them in. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then they were set, you and she said, you know, where do you where do you hang them? Where do you hang them so that the horses don't get all curious and start munching on things? And so everything has to be thought of. Um, so another example was we were talking to somebody at a school. This is terrible. Um, a medical school that had a, a morgue. And when they were doing their anatomy class, they would have to. I know this People is are
2: dying to get in there.
3: <laughs>
2: oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we're sober, <I'm> sober. <laughs> um and they were saying kind of the same thing. All of these all of these specialty applications that um, a lot of this equipment was not made to be in these environments. And the, um, the integrator and the consultant have to be really creative with how to get around some of these challenges, whether they're indoor, outdoor, environmental, whether they're animals munching on cords, whether they're, um, you know, dead bodies with potential disease components and you have to make sure that your um, equipment is enclosed so that there's no diseasey bacteria stuff getting sucked into the fans. So, um, gosh, this is this
2: took a turn. But- <laughs> but there was Halloween this week, you know,
0: well, yeah, yeah, I'm still stuck on the hay proof part. So, yeah. hey, they don't hey. have hay in New York. Hey, it's, it's, it's
1: seen it before. you guys are making me cry. laugh. <laughs>
0: Uh, Joel, same kind of question, and you can take it to whichever animal or or, uh, mineral you want to. (laughs) What, uh, What other verticals do you see coming up?
4: Well, it's not even all their verticals. I mean, if we if we talk about what even Gina's saying with education, uh, esports. I mean, now people are starting to build venues just for esports, and they have betting cup places in Vegas where it's an esports venue, and that's all they do. Uh, I know here Georgia State has done some things, not their own specific venue yet, but it's becoming more and more common where they're inviting people in. Um, and then the other thing is, is a lot of these places where we've done AV historically are really amplifying what they're doing. I mean, if you look at education, you hear the word active learning. If you look in some of the corporate spaces and they're putting um, AV in every single room, as opposed to what it used to be, that one conference room, it's growing and the augmented reality and virtual reality, we've only slightly scratched the surface of where this is going to go and what that's going to mean for AV, Um, which I'm really excited about the augmented reality. That's kind of exciting for some of the things that you had said earlier, Tim, um, above and beyond knowing who made digital signage, but it actually builds an experience for you as you're in a bar, club, or wherever else it may be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, There's a, a piece that I wrote um, about some augmented reality that they're doing in stadiums where um, some folks are, are you're able to take a, a live shot of a player and get stats on what they're doing for your fantasy football team. If, if you're into fantasy football, it allows you to kind of as you're there live, it gives you a little bit more of an interaction as well.
2: And Tim, you mentioned stadiums, and I actually feel like when we look at, um, remember when a stadium used to be just about the sport, you know, the game or whatever, but stadiums started, what, 15 years ago, really making them um, more like what you started off with Top Golf, where it was um, an, an experience for all kinds of people that were going. So if you wanted to see the game, or it was about the suite, or it was about a fine dining experience, or you know, it's again. It's kind of all. It's it's about um, the audience coming in, and um, what are what things can AV do to make it incredibly memorable and different? And you know, stadiums have been doing this for for some time now.
4: Well, and to Corey's point, I mean, I don't know if you guys had the opportunity to go. I don't go into sports games very often, but you know, going here to the new stadium we have uh, for the Falcons in Georgia, or going to the new Braves Stadium the experience that you get there makes me, who doesn't watch sports, want to go. Uh, The audio-video experience in the clubs and all the AV that's around and at the Brave Stadium, just the experience you have on your way into the stadium, uh, whether it be the digital signage, the lighting, and all the other components that come to be part of it, I never really thought that you would see me at a baseball game. And I actually now want to go because of that experience. It's pretty exciting.
3: Joel, you're absolutely right. I went to a Falcons game last Monday, and it was that – venue is just exceptional and when you walk in you are pulled into that entire space as a you know the game's not secondary but you're just transformed once you walk through the energy gets you the lighting gets you the the um interactivity gets you i mean it's just it's
2: incredible and so when- i think the biggest emerging market is Uh, for integrators and manufacturers to be able to really talk about how to make it an experience and really finding a way to find their own specialty in that and really selling that. I think that's, you know, so it's really not a, is there a particular vertical, whether it be higher education or, you know, morgues or, you know, whatever. It's about how, whatever the space is, taking it beyond just the ask of, okay, we want to make this a, um active learning center it's like how do we take that up like eight notches
3: right and the way that people yeah. remember things the way that people are loyal to things the way that that uh, students are, are successful and you know, however you want to say it is is by that immersive experience that's that's memorable that's jarring that's um traumatic in a positive way that's going to allow you to um Keep coming back more and more. So, I mean, there's a true ROI on investing in that in that ex- immersive kind of experience, from the audio to the lighting to the visual and everything in between. The package.
0: All right, Kelly, you'll have the last step on this one. Uh, what other verticals do we see between education and stadiums and, and entertainment uh, venues?
1: Well, I think kind of just you know springboarding off what these guys have said. It's I think it's it's the opportunities for your community to participate in it is really big, you know. So, when I was at ABI, we did the botanical gardens. Um, that was this huge lighting and sound and video immersive experience when you went to the botanical gardens, and it was just so cool, you know. And everything from, you know, doing doing events in your, in your local area and having the city kind of get involved in it, or the community, or the county, or whomever. Um, just for even just live events. That being said, um, I am curious to see how Top Golf does in Minnesota this winter, because we just got a new one when it's like 35 below.
3: So are all of them outdoor, indoor, or are some of them exclusively indoor?
0: They're all indoor, outdoor. They're all indoor, outdoor, yeah. But every bay
4: has individually controlled heat.
0: That's true. Oh. It's 35 below.
3: Yeah, but what if it's snowing? They close.
1: No, because it's all covered.
3: Hmm. That is interesting. You're going to have to try this.
0: I'm certain that there's one in New York or in the, in the New oh, York.
3: Oh, yeah, 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 there are. I just have never had the opportunity. I will mm. make the
1: opportunity.
0: You should. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Last story here uh, comes to us from Sound Vision Install. Indigo Distribution uh, will be offering a free approved pre programming service to customers purchasing a lawn control platform. This is a distributor giving away programming uh, as part of the purchase. Understand I used to be a programmer. I guess technically I still am a control programmer. I still do it from time to time. Um, But uh, Joel, we're going to start with you on this. What other services could or should maybe manufacturers and distributors offer integrators to help installs uh, and ensure proper programming or proper uh, setup?
4: Well, you're seeing a lot of them do something similar to this in general. Like there was a quote in here that the technical manager had um, that the reason behind why Indiegogo is doing it is so the integrators can spend more time on the technical programming and commissioning of pulling all the systems together, basically, as opposed to only worrying about the control protocol and how that's set up. I know that I've heard of manufacturers now, even with AV over IP, you call them, you tell them what you're working on. They're going to pre-configure the AVRP endpoints. They're going to test everything. And literally all the people are doing is taking out of the box. And then from that point, plugging into the network. Um, And being that we're getting more into network, I really see that network consultation. That's becoming key. Um, Us as a manufacturer, we know best how the product goes on the network. Um, and that's not to say that the integrator may not know. It's just we deal with it every day so we can work along with that integrator. And I see a lot more manufacturers doing this, working with the integrator and their customer to make sure when they get on site with that product, there's no surprises about the network configuration, um, what they need to do for open ports. Everything's ready for them when they're there. Uh, and I see that as professional services starting to emerge a lot more from, you know, all manufacturers at this point. Yeah.
0: Uh, Corey, same kind of question. What should what should uh, uh, the manufacturers be offering or even, you know, distributors? If you, well, a lot of times in the U.S., um, QSC or manufacturers specifically are direct to the dealers, but overseas a lot of times it's, it's through distributors. So, you know, what should the distributors be kind of offering to help, you know, like Joel said, they can just take it out of the box and plug it in.
2: Yeah. So I think the, uh, to just kind of chime into with jo- what things that Joel's commented on, there are many things that we can do um, uh, and offer beyond what we're currently offering. You know, we have to think outside the just applying the box and network config is a big one. Um, I think that helping with just reviewing the overall design and offering another set of eyes on that because time is currency and um, if we can save time by doing that, at QSC, we do a lot of baseline files, and then we just email it to, because it may be one end user, so we know what their baseline file is as a start, but we always, you know, with the caveat, it's a baseline file, the room characteristics uh, likely are gonna be somewhat different. So, uh, but email that back and forth to the different integrators on the jobs, whether regardless of where they are around the world. Um, helping them also think about the user interface, that GUI, what that looks like, and creating consistency there, helping, provide even to the point of best practices for creating global standards and getting them to think and learn from other other projects and um, users that that we've worked with, being able to apply that and just that knowledge share, I think is is something that is tangible, that can be offered at a price and people will see the, the value in it. And then, of course, I think a big common thing we saw at Infocom this year, including by QSC, is the ability to offer the monitoring and management side of, of a deployment. So you might have a large corporate enterprise uh, client or a large um, educational client, and to be able to be able to monitor and manage and send uh, you know, and do updates and offer that as a service, I think are are, you know, just a few things that come to mind.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Kelly, same question. What what should, you know, you've been on both sides of this, both from the manufacturing and the integration side. What can manufacturers do to help these integrators? And should they?
1: Uh, I guess, I mean, there's there's two sides to it. You know, it's, there's the one side where it's, you know, are if the distributors are giving away programming, does that take away from the integration company's ability to do it and make some money on it, right? But then at the same time, you know, I think about when I worked at ABI Systems and how many manufacturers we we you know we dealt with, and it was like we had a million manufacturers, tons of different tons of different technologies all over the board. So I mean, if, if a manufacturer can go one step ahead and help a little bit by doing stuff like that, it, hell yeah, why not? You know, it's if whatever they can do, whether it's programming or support or even like Corey said, you know. Remote monitoring, anything they can do to help an integrator, you know, install quicker, make it work faster, make you know the the installation techs and designer get them in and out. I think is 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 positive for everyone. All
0: right, Gina, you'll have the last word on this. What what should manufacturers do or, or distributors do to help um, integrators? Uh,
3: so, from our standpoint. Um, You know, I I agree with Corey and everything she said. Um, We're helping with pre-sale design. Um, We're helping integrators um, by bringing a lot of our product onto the network so that they can be remotely monitored. Um, We're increasing the number of uh, uh, connection points on our products so that, you know, no matter what you standardize on, you can still connect easy. I just I feel like what we are moving towards that as a service model, the more that we can support the integrators in creating that recurring revenue business model, um, that's only going to help to support growth and support um, the stability of the industry so once they start changing their business models into more as a service um you know what manufacturers can do is find products and find ways to package their products and find ways to support their products that support that business model so everything that corey said
0: everything that corey said that should actually be the the title of this show so oh, all right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you much. Uh, that will do it for this episode. Ms. Corey Schaefer, since we all agree with you, uh, how do people <laughs> find you and/or QSC?
2: So, qsc.com and uh, Corey.Shaefer at qsc.com uh, or just Corey Schaefer, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook,
1: you'll find me.
0: All right. Very good. Ms. Kelly Perkins, thank you, ma'am. How do people find you?
1: Kay Perkins at nsca.org, um, <laughs> at <laughs> on Twitter at nsda underscore kelly
0: all right very good uh speaking of gina gina how do people find you
3: um i am on twitter at gina sands i am on linkedin gina sansevero i am at atlas ied gina dot at atlas very
0: well uh and mr carroll sir thank you uh how do people find you or wolf vision
4: uh easy uh joel.carroll at WolfVision.us or training at wolf and you can find me on linkedin at joel carroll
0: Very good. My name is Tim Albright. Uh, Don't follow me uh, because I'm still complaining about the Bears, Uh, but go by the website, if you would, please, avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, We actually also have a a webinar coming up about digital signage and how to create uh, consistent content for that. Comes up in two weeks, uh, November 14th. So check that out. Uh, Also, while you're there, check out our underwriters. Uh, These are the folks who help us financially. uh, Helps us bring you AV week and digital signage uh, week in a couple months, ISC and Atlas IED is one of those. So we thank them for their support of that. Uh, So you can also follow us on Twitter, AVNationTV uh, is our Twitter handle. So all that and more at AVNation.TV, AVNation.TV. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.